0: Hey there, how are you going? It is a Friday and that means On issue your podcast from body and soul. Ali Izzo joins us, our digital director. I'm Felicity Harley, by the way. Anyway, we are talking about the three stories that piqued our interest this week. The first one is a women's urinal style toilet. Staying on this theme, we're talking about the germiest thing in your house. And lastly, Victoria Beckham's regimented dinner habit. Holly,
1: welcome back how are you going I'm good I'm COVID free I'm good it's raining but I'm dry so I'm happy
0: I do love this <laughs> each week we're like have you had COVID yet no have you had COVID yet no, no fingers yes. crossed
1: I know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like I have to ask everyone I know weekly I'm like so have you got it yet have you got it it's it's inevitable it's okay it I'm, I'm at peace with
0: it I know and listeners who've <laughs> had it will be there soon I'm sure yeah, we will join you. Now, from COVID to the peak call, tell us about this story that <laughs> got you intrigued this week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, this um, was one of the most interesting, but also the most shared on our Facebook page. And it's, yeah, it definitely got people talking. It's called a peak call, but what it is, it's a female urinal, and it's a design that actually won sort of like a, a design competition. They've won themselves. 450000 Australian dollars in funding to actually put it into production. Um, It was designed by two women called Amber Proben and Hazel McShane and they designed an entirely hands-free, no-door answer to the decades-long problem um, as part of their master's project at Bristol University in the UK. So, you know, I don't know about you, Felicity, but every time I go anywhere, it's, well, we're not going anywhere at the moment, but like where I used to go to concerts or, you know, even a restaurant or a bar or um, festivals, the queue for the ladies loo would always be miles long. And it the guys one would just sort of speed through. And a lot of this has to do with sitting versus standing. But also now with COVID, there's, you know, the added sort of element of door touching and touching things generally. I think people are just a lot more aware of hand sanitising, of germs, and this is a good thing for us. So the Pequel, as it's called, um, has no touches. And basically it's like a big spiral um, that kind of has a series of, Half doors, I guess, that allows you privacy, but you don't actually have to open or shut a door. And obviously, you don't even have to touch the toilet because you stand up to pee. Um, and I think that, you know, it's kind of fascinating. Um, and it could be a really practical solution to... Um, you know, a serious problem for us ladies.
0: Yeah. So when Ali sent me this, listeners, I had to go. I got lost in the Instagram page of people. It was the biggest time <laughs> waster, but I quite enjoyed it. It's actually worth. There's a video on there, and it's worth going and having a look of this at this yeah. urinal-style toilet because it tells you how you you stand over, you pull your pants down, you squat, hand washing. There's no running water. You do have to use hand sanitizer. You. The pee basically, I think, goes into a large tank. Uh, so underneath, yes, yeah. underneath. So it is quite genius, actually. Yeah. But would I use it? Yes, at a festival. No, perhaps not at a restaurant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a it's a portable solution, um, sanitary solution. So that's kind of the 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 reasoning behind why, you know, the pea collects underneath. I think actually the company then there's a company in the UK that recycles pea and turns it into energy, which is Oh wow. I mean, that's just incredible. I don't know how. That's science for you doing wonderful things, but yeah, it did it did kick off a lot of debate on our Facebook page. A lot of women were were saying that they would not be keen to use it because of the lack of doors, um, and also standing up to pee, I think, might take a little bit of practice. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I actually when you watch the video, she kind of like squats a little bit, like does a bush squat. You know how you do a, you yeah. do a. You can go to the toilet in the bush and you do a bush squat. It's kind of a bit like that. I just <laughs> worry where my pee would go and then whose pee would be underneath me when I was going to pee.
1: <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway, look, it's, it's a novel idea. Definitely, I think, check out the, uh, check out the article because there's pictures and you kind of, when you visualise it, you go, ah, oh, I get it. Yeah, we'll, um, it's
0: we'll leave to links to that them. in the show notes. Hey, I had to keep yeah, on the germ yeah. bandwagon today. I came across a study this week from Duke University that confirms everything we thought, but didn't perhaps want confirm that our kitchen sponge is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> they <laughs> they they basically found that kitchen sponge is a better incubator for diverse bacterial communities than a laboratory petri dish. But it's not just <laughs> the trap leftovers; it's actually the structure of the sponge itself. Now, there's been many sponge serve, uh, studies before. I came across one a couple of years ago. A German one that did a germ analysis of kitchen sponges, and they found that there was 362 different kinds of bacteria lurking in the crevices of your sponge.
1: So that is disgusting, and I am outraged because I'm a sponge Nazi in my house. So this, I'm going to take this and and send it to my fellow. Uh, inhabitants of my house <laughs> uh, to prove that you can't use the sponge forever and you can't use it for everything because it's gross.
0: No, and considering the size of a typical sponge, that's nearly 5.5 trillion microscopic bugs crawling around, the one thing that you use to clean your dishes. I think I did get into another Google hole after my after you sent me the toilet <laughs> Google hole, which the, the good rule of thumb is Replace it once a week and one of the best ways to clean it is actually put it in watered-down bleach.
1: Mm, Kills all the bugs. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, buy bleach. Let's change
0: the subject. What was the most click story of the week?
1: yeah okay from from bugs to to this is not buggy at all this is uh, quite a controversial story because i think it hit home for a lot of people for different reasons and it came off the back of a podcast interview that david beckham did uh with a restaurant in london and he kind of made a very offhand casual comment about how his wife victoria beckham has eaten the same meal for dinner for the last 25 years um He was sort of saying it in jest and saying it's a bit annoying for him as a fellow diner at the, you know, family dinner table But apparently she likes to eat steamed fish and vegetables and that's her go-to and she very rarely strays from that. Now, we had one of our freelance writers, uh, Mary Madigan, to write a story about it and she had a personal take on it because she herself used to eat the same way, very regimented and would just eat the same thing every day, basically. The reason she did it, however, was because she was trying to lose weight and she found that that was very... um, Sort of bad for her mental health. It kind of was very restricting. She didn't enjoy what she was eating. It felt like a struggle. Um, and ultimately it didn't it didn't help her in, in any way, way, shape, or form. She's since moved on for that and has come to peace with a much more sort of intuitive way of eating. However, we asked our resident dietitian Melissa Meyer about this. Well, I just want to say here that we don't know, or we can't judge Victoria for this choice. Maybe it's something that she does because it removes choice and it's a faster process for her. She doesn't have to think about dinner. She likes it. It's healthy. She just does it. Maybe she has unhealthy eating patterns. We don't know. So I just want to be upfront and saying we don't know her personal relationship with food. And I don't think we should probably jump in on that unless she wants to talk about it herself. What we are talking about though, is that habitualized eating, which a lot of people do for a lot of different reasons. Um, And Melissa Meyer sort of said, Look, it's not bad, but it's also probably not the healthiest way. You shouldn't do it to be healthy. If it works for you, if it works for your family, if it works for your routine and it is a healthy meal that you have on repeat, that's fine as long as the rest of your diet is varied. But she said really the healthiest way to eat is to include as many different food groups as possible. Um, And it also keeps things interesting. So perhaps Victoria doesn't mind about getting a bit bored she doesn't like the uh she doesn't mind the lack of variety but I think that for a lot of people this kind of um habitualized eating can be unhealthy and also isn't necessarily it's not a shortcut to being healthy that's definitely um the the experts takeaway on that
0: yeah I thought this was a fabulous story by Mary and I like that she well basically you just summed it up perfectly it, we we don't want to comment on what Victoria's eating but the bottom line is perhaps this isn't the, the healthiest way and most nutritious way to eat. Ali, thank you so much for coming on Healthy It. Pleasure. I still can't get past that study I came across about the kitchen sponge being the germiest thing in the house. Oh, mine is going straight down in the bucket, with the bleach. Anyway, I will leave links to all those stories in the episode notes. If you want more great, fabulous, interesting, intriguing stories, make sure you jump onto bodyandsoul.com.au or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks again for joining us. And if you have a moment, we'd be so grateful if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And until tomorrow, stay healthy-ish.